The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to take them to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 9. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 9 this morning as we continue through our series, Miracles, all right? We're looking at different miracles from the life of Jesus that uh, really have an influence and an impact on the day and age in which we live today. In the particular passage that we're going to study here in just a moment, we're going to see this topic of fasting addressed. And uh, fasting is a unique thing. It's, it's something that um, we as 21st century Americans are not usually availing ourselves to. And so we're going to talk about that just a little bit this morning. I was about 16 or 17 years old when uh, I really felt the leading toward full-time Christian ministry as a pastor, as a teacher of God's Word. And so at about the age of 16 or 17, I, I began to uh, fast. Uh, that is, I would go a meal without eating and, and just praying or maybe a day. And I remember I was 18 years old when a friend of mine came to me and he was going through a very difficult season in his life. There was an area where he wanted to see a breakthrough in and he asked me if, if I would be willing to fast with him for seven days straight. That is to go without any food uh, for seven days. And I remember at that particular time, I'd never fasted for an entire week before. And I was, there were some things God was doing in my heart and some things I wanted to see accomplished. And I thought maybe this would be an opportunity to join him in prayer as well. And so uh, we covenanted together to take seven days uh, for the sake of prayer and for fasting and, and I remember in this particular occasion I was new to this idea and I wasn't quite sure exactly how you're supposed to move through this even spiritually as well as physiologically now for those of you who understand fasting a little bit you know that fasting is not just something you can come off of real quick I remember the first day I was just kind of feeling hungry by the second day I was just like starving I'm like all I want to do is just simply eat uh, by th day three or four you just kind of your stomach I think just resigns and it just gives up it's like well obviously you're not getting anything to eat and so you kind of coast in until that seventh day and at that seventh day we had still not seen uh, what we were praying for. We, we hadn't seen the miracle that we were expecting or anticipating, uh, but just to be quite honest with you, I actually didn't care. I was so hungry at that moment. I just wanted to eat some food, if you know what I'm talking about. I just like, hey, I committed to seven days. I'm going to take the seven days, and uh, we just kind of uh, drove into a Carl's Jr., and uh, man, I loaded up. I got a big old, you know, hamburger and some fries, and, and for those of you who know anything about fasting, that is not the way you're supposed to come off of a fast, all right? My stomach, about half an hour after I ate that food, I was literally in torment. My stomach, I've just was, I'd never felt something so painful in my life. We were driving in a car. I was literally in the floorboards between the seats, just screaming in agony as I laid in a fetal position because my stomach hurt so bad. And that was one of the first experiences that I had with fasting and coming off of a fast. And yet I was excited that a couple days later, after we had ended the fast, uh, the thing that we had been praying about, the thing we'd been praying for, uh, God brought together. And uh, we were able to see some great things happen. And, and what we're going to be seeing today is that uh, strongholds, when there is a stronghold in our life or a stronghold in a situation, strongholds demand breakthrough. 
breakthroughs. And we're going to unpack this idea a little bit today. But a breakthrough is an important, sudden, and dramatic advancement in an area that was previously uh, unpenetrable. All right? And so what we're going to see today is that strongholds demand breakthrough. Now, in this series up to this point, we've been looking at miracles in the midst of physical challenges. That is to say, uh, as we were talking about maybe financial challenges and how do we experience a miracle in some physical realm or whether it was a health challenge or whether it was in a relationship, up to this point, we've been dealing with the need for a miracle in the physical realm. But, but what do we do in those times when the miracle that we need most isn't in the physical realm? but rather in the spiritual. What do we do then? You say, what do you mean by that? That is to say, what do we do when the issue we face is taking place deep within the heart, the soul, and the mind of an individual? Whether that be in the heart, the soul, and mind of our own lives, or whether it be in the heart, soul, and mind of somebody we love, a spouse, a child, a loved one. What do we do when the issue that we're facing is taking place deep in the spiritual realm of a life? And not only is it taking place in the life, but what do we do when it's escalated to the degree that it's literally destroying that person? That's what we're going to see in this passage. It's literally causing them to do things that are ruining them, that are ruining their future. It's literally sabotaging their life. It's sabotaging their future. It's, this issue is literally spiraling out of control. And in some extreme cases, it's even causing that individual to become suicidal. That is, the spiritual issues of the heart, these issues of values, these issues of motivations, of thoughts, of soul and of mind. What do we do in situations where that is the realm in which we need to experience a miracle? What do we do when there's harmful and an unhealthy spirit controlling the mind, controlling the will, and controlling the emotions? That is what our text deals with today, and that is what we're going to be addressing so if you're physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text this morning from the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 9. We'll begin reading in verse number 20. I'll read down through verse number 29, and then we'll begin our Bible study here today. The Scriptures say in Mark, chapter number 9, and verse number 20, And when they, Jesus, and the, uh, when they brought him unto him, all right, so there's this young boy, he's got this evil spirit, they bring him unto Jesus, and when Jesus saw him straightway, the spirit tear at this young boy, and he fell on the ground and wallowed as he foamed at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has it been since this came unto him? And the father said, since he was a child, verse 22, said often it casts him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. The spirit was causing this young man, this evil spirit was causing him to be suicidal. He's throwing his body into the fire. He's trying to drown him. I mean, this is the spirit that's happening here. The Bible goes on to say in verse 22, the father says, if you can do anything, have compassion on us. 
and help us. You see, when someone is dealing with a deeply spiritual issue, an issue that's affecting their heart, an issue that's affecting their spirit, an issue that's affecting their mind, it doesn't just affect that individual. It oftentimes affects the people around them. It it affects their spouses. It affects their children. It affects their family. And so the father cries out to Jesus and he says, this is what's happening. He says, would you have compassion on us? The scriptures goes on to say in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out. You can just sense the desperation in his voice. And he he said with tears running down his face, Lord, he said, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent the young boy sore and and came out of him. And the young boy was one as if he was dead. Insomuch that many said, he is dead. So Jesus calls the spirit out. This evil spirit, this foul spirit out of him. As the spirit is emerging from this young boy, it tears him and leaves him on the floor. Everybody looking around thought it killed him. Verse 27, but Jesus took the boy by the hand and lifted him up, and the boy arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked Jesus privately, they said, why could we not heal him, or why could we not cast him out? The disciples, if you read the context of this passage, they had already tried to pull the spirit out they were unable to perform this miracle so privately later on they go to jesus and say why couldn't we do it and and jesus says something very interesting in verse 29 and he said unto them this kind this kind he's saying this kind of miracle this kind of miracle that doesn't deal with the physical realm I understand if you have a health concern. I understand if you have a financial concern, if you have a need. He said, but this kind, when you need a miracle that is spiritual in nature, a miracle that needs to address the spirit and the soul, the heart, the thinking of a person, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So today I want to speak on this subject of miracles in the midst of, of strongholds what do we do when an individual in our life is experiencing a stronghold there is a spirit that is capturing their thoughts a spirit that is capturing their motivations a spirit that is capturing their soul that is literally sabotaging them it's literally causing their life to spiral out of control it's it's sabotaging their future and in some extreme cases is even causing them to be depressed and struggle with depression despondency and in extreme cases even become suicidal like we see in this passage what do we do in the midst of those types of spiritual strongholds all right Uh, what does the scriptures teach here's our theme and that's simply this desperate spiritual issues must be met with deep 
spiritual intercession. Desperate spiritual issues must be met with deep spiritual intercession. Let's have a word of prayer and ask God to bless this service as only he can. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that if there's an individual in this room today that is wrestling and struggling with an unhealthy spirit, Lord, that the issues that they're dealing with are, are spiritual in nature. It's affecting their heart, it's affecting their thinking, it's affecting their mind and and affecting the people around them. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see that stronghold broken and a breakthrough emerge. I pray that you would bless us as we move through this text. I pray that you'd give us a deeper understanding of how to experience the miraculous in this type of situation. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen, and you may be seated. As we said a moment ago, desperate spiritual issues, that is, this is not dealing with the physical realm, all right? We've talked about this in previous week. What do we do when we need a miracle financially? What what do we do when we need a miracle, you know, with our health, okay? Those are physical issues. Those are issues that deal with the physical realm. But now we're talking about the spiritual realm. What do we do when now we're in a situation where our spouse is struggling with a spiritual issue? That is something in their heart is causing them to think things and be motivated and value things and causing them to do things that's sabotaging a marriage, that's sabotaging relationships, that's sabotaging the future of a family. What do we do when we have desperate spiritual issues in our own life or in the life of somebody that's near and dear to us? And what we're going to see throughout this passage is that desperate spiritual issues must be met with deep spiritual intercession. Now, here's where sometimes as Christians we get off because we see a situation, we see an issue, and as physical human beings, our first response is to deal with it on the physical plane. And so all of a sudden we have this issue and and so we try to do what we can in the physical realm. Maybe maybe we can move to another location or or maybe we can uh, figure out how to separate these two people or maybe we can uh, do this or do that. And so what we do is we try to fix it in the physical realm you know by changing locations or moving to a different place and and what i'm here to say is that desperate spiritual issues can't be addressed in the physical realm they must be met in the spiritual realm through deep spiritual intercession and that's what we're going to see in this passage so let's begin our bible study here in verse number 23 If you've got a Bible that is a red letter edition, then what you're going to notice is we're going to focus in on, we're going to zone in on the words of Jesus in this particular text. So I want you to see here today three vital elements, three vital elements of deep spiritual intercession, three elements that can cause us to see a breakthrough in the midst of of a spiritual stronghold. Notice what the scriptures say in verse 23. And Jesus said unto the Father, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. I want you to notice in the Greek this word believe. I want to define it for you here very quickly. The word believe simply means to have conviction. It's it's not a noun. This is interesting. It's a verb. Believing is not just something that happens to us. It's something we do. It's an action. To have conviction regarding something's truth, 
to be persuaded of, to have confidence in the reality of a thing. The book of Hebrews gives us a biblical definition of this word faith or belief. This is what Hebrews 11 says. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. So we, we, we're hoping that God will do this. We're hoping God will do that. So faith is confidence in that hope and assurance about what we do not see. As human beings in the, in the physical realm, we tend to become confident. We get assurance about those things we can see, those things we can touch, those things we can sense. But faith is the ability to have confidence. It's the ability to have assurance about those things that have not yet taken place, those things that we have not yet seen, which brings us to our first thought this morning is the first element in, in, in if we're going to experience deep spiritual intercession, and that's simply this, I want you to see the potential of faith. The potential of faith. You see, we're going to talk about some other disciplines in just a moment. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about fasting. But prayer and fasting become empty, vain rituals if they don't flow, if they don't grow out of the fertile soil of faith. You see, there are a lot of Christians who go through the motions of praying, they go through the motions of fasting, but if those things don't flow out of a, a spirit of conviction, a spirit of, of confidence, of a spirit of assurance that what we're praying for and what we're fasting toward is going to happen, then those prayers and that fasting is of none effect. I want you to see the potential of faith. Um, this last week, uh, I noticed on Facebook that one of our friends, uh, John Van Geldren, he, he uh, shared a story of something that God had done in his life. Those of you who've been around the church for a while, you're familiar. He's come and preached here almost every year for several years. He's an evangelist that travels around the country and uh, speaks in different churches. And, and uh, this week, it was really interesting. He had been praying about when the Lord would want him to go and get a new vehicle, a new car. Uh, they live in Michigan, and so whenever they're not traveling a few weeks out of the year, uh, they'll go back to Michigan, and they had an old car, had a couple hundred thousand miles on it. It was getting really old, and they really believed that it was time for them uh, to get a new vehicle. So they were praying about it, were believing that God was going to provide the exact vehicle that he wanted for them to have, and they didn't have any grand expectations of something that was reliable and something that would get them to where they needed to go when they were at home. Well, last Monday, they began to search and pray and, and believe that God was going to provide something, and they were looking online and noticed that there was a vehicle. It was a little bit older. It had a lot of miles on it, but they felt like it was something that would work for them. So they went and, and uh, went to test drive it, and, and uh, on Monday, they were driving it around, and John said that as he was driving around, he felt the Holy Spirit prompting him to drive into a car lot. Uh, that this particular car was made. They thought maybe a car lot that sells this per brand uh, could tell them whether or not it was a good car or whether or not uh, he should buy it. And so he pulls in, kind of a strange thing. I don't know, I've never done this myself, test driving a car and then go pull into another car lot to see if they think, uh, you know, it's a good vehicle. But this is what he, since the Holy Spirit was telling him to do, he drove in and he finds one of the salesmen and he says, hey, could you, could you let me know whether or not uh, this, this is a good car? You know, is the engine good? Is it something I should invest in? And, and he's just trying to get their advice, you know, since they sold this particular brand of vehicle. 
And the salesman said, well, I don't know if I can do that. Let me go talk to the owner. So they brought the owner out, and uh, John starts talking to the owner, kind of explains the situation, and says, hey, is this a decent car? You know, should I get it? And uh, kind of told him the mileage, a little, a little more mileage. It was a little older vehicle. And the man said, well, we can do whatever, you know, will be a help to you. And he said, look, give me just a minute. And the owner of the car lot walks away, and, and when he comes back, he said, you know, hey, I think the car's fine, and if, if you feel like you should get it, that's great. But he said, uh, um, how would you like to have this car instead uh, for free? And John says, what are you talking about? And sure enough, when the man had left, he had gone, and he had gone and grabbed a car for John off the car lot, uh, didn't make him pay for taxes, didn't make him pay one penny for it, and uh, John literally was able to drive off with a, a newer car than the one he had. I think they got a picture of it here somewhere. And uh, didn't pay a penny for taxes, didn't pay a penny, you know, to purchase the car. He just felt led. The Lord led him to that. And because of that faith, God honored that. And sometimes, sometimes the faith that we experience produces a physical result. But oftentimes the result that we see is very spiritual in nature. He said it was kind of strange when he took the other car that he was test driving back to the car lot and said, hey, I don't think I'm going to get this car after all. Uh, I got a better deal somewhere else, you know. God answers prayers. God is still in the miracle working business. You see, my friend, an atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. I want to say that again. An atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 29 says it this way. According to your faith, be it unto you. Much of what we experience in our lives is the direct correlation to the faith, the confidence, and the conviction that we have in the ability of God. According to your faith, be it unto you. The reality is, though, so many of us get plagued by doubt. So many of us are plagued by skepticism. We're plagued by distrust. We don't believe that our God is big enough. We don't believe our God is powerful enough. We don't believe our God is strong enough to help us break through when there's a stronghold in our lives. And yet what we see today is there is a potential in faith. You see, faith is what's going to keep these next two disciplines that we talk about from becoming ritualistic and legalistic. We're going to talk about prayer in a moment. We're going to talk about fasting in a moment. But the reality is if you're just praying without a basis of faith and belief, th then you're just going through the motions of a spiritual exercise and it will accomplish nothing. You can fast, but if that fasting is not anchored to a deep belief that your God is powerful enough and able to accomplish that which his word declares him able to do, then that prayer is just a vain repetition. It's empty. It means nothing. It's a ritual. I want you to see the potential of faith. Well, let's keep reading. Notice verse number 29. Jesus said unto the disciples after they asked him, hey, why, why couldn't we accomplish this? And Jesus says in verse 29, this kind, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Notice this word, but by prayer. Let me define this word. A lot of different ideas. The word prayer in this context, it means to converse with God. It's the intercourse of the soul with the divine, not simply in contemplation or in meditation. So uh, sometimes we'll say, oh, I'm praying for you. 
I'm praying for the situation, and we're like, okay, we're thinking about it, you know, we're contemplating it, we're kind of, you know, meditating on it a little bit, but that's not what prayer is. Uh, Prayer is not simply contemplation or meditation, but in direct address to Him as we converse with God. That is prayer. In the Bible, there are 650 prayers listed. As, As you read from Genesis to Revelations, you will find 650 different prayers Uh, The scriptures record Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. That's recorded. I'm sure he prayed much more than that, but that which is recorded 25 times. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul mentions prayer 41 times. And and throughout the scriptures, you find a a whole lot of different um, physical uh, postures, specific postures that we find people praying in. Now, I should say this, prayer can and should be done from any bodily or physical position. There's not a, a wrong way to pray physically, but the Bible mentions five specific postures that praying was done in. In 2 Samuel, you'll find where prayer was done sitting. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 11, prayer is accomplished while standing. In Chronicles and in the book of Daniel, the book of Luke, the book of Acts, the book of Ephesians, uh, prayer is done in a kneeling posture. And sometimes we'll see pictures of people kneeling and praying. Um, In the book of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark, we find one uh, praying, laying on the floor with their face to the ground, almost uh, prostrate on the ground. It was a posture of prayer. Uh, In Timothy chapter number 2, we see prayer done with hands lifted toward the heavens. So there are 650 prayers mentioned in the Bible, and there are approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the scriptures, which leads us to our next thought this morning, and that is simply this. Not only do we see the potentiality of faith, but I want you to notice, secondly, the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Jeremiah chapter number 33 and verse number 3 says this. God says, call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The prophet Jeremiah is trying to remind us that God is constantly urging us to pray. He's urging us to call upon him. And God says, I'm going to answer you. And I'm going to show you some great and mighty things. Some things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see without prayer. Call unto me and I will answer you. You see, my friends, prayer can do anything God can do. Whatever God can accomplish, prayer can accomplish. Uh, This week, um, we took on Tuesday, I I need to do some filming for a couple of projects that we're doing uh, up in Yosemite. And so uh, I brought our family along with us so they could run around and and enjoy Yosemite while we were getting some filming done. And and, uh, my son was having such a great time, my, my son Landon. And he's eight years old, and, and we were getting ready to leave Yosemite, and they were just having a blast. And my son runs up to me, and he, he, he looks at me, and he, and he says, Hey, Dad, can, can we just stay here for another million days? <laughs> now, what I found interesting about that is my son Landon literally believed that I, as his father, could make his request possible. <laughs> Like, he, he had total confidence that if anybody could, allow, anybody could make it possible for us to be here for a million days, it would be dad. Now, we know that there are a lot of implications. I couldn't, I couldn't do that, all right, for a lot of different reasons. But here's what I'm trying to say. 
There is nothing that you couldn't take to your heavenly Father as a request that He could not accomplish. You see, our God is all-powerful. Our God is strong. And prayer can do anything that God can do. Our Abba, Heavenly Father, His ear is not slack, His arm is not shortened, that He cannot answer. Uh, This Thursday is what is commonly referred to as the National Day of Prayer. Uh, As a country, uh, many folks gather together to pray for our country, to pray for its leaders, to pray that God would bring about a spiritual awakening in America. And so on the first Thursday of each May is set aside for a National Day of Prayer. And so what we're going to do as a church family in our different connection group Bible studies is we're going to focus on prayer this week, how to pray. Now, we're going to spend some time taking prayer requests and, and really not just talk about prayer, but make prayer something that we're accomplishing in our lives. One theologian who spent a lot of time in the Word got to the end of his life and he made this statement. He said, all of my failures come back to a failure to pray. Huh. All of my failures come back to my failure to pray. Can I, can I say to you today that all of our failures are really prayer failures? There is a power in praying because there is a power in the God to whom we pray to. You see the potential of faith in this passage. What, what are the elements? If we're experiencing a stronghold in our life, if somebody near and dear to us is experiencing a spiritual stronghold, not just in the physical realm, but in their heart and in their mind, in their thoughts and in their motions that are sabotaging their life, that are bringing about sabotaging their health, maybe sabotaging their future and their marriage. What do we do when people are are self-sabotaging? Their life is spiraling out of control because of a spiritual issue that exists in their life. What do we do? starts with faith we take it to prayer but let's keep reading verse number 29 the bible says and jesus said unto them this kind when there is a spiritual stronghold and it's not just affecting the physical realm but it's a spiritual issue this kind if we need a miracle in this area some things come forth by nothing but by prayer and notice this and fasting Fasting is not something that we talk about much in modern American culture because uh, we're not big on, you know, just denying the flesh. (laughs) If we want to do something, we do it. If we want to eat something, we eat it. And yet the scriptures talk about this thing of fasting. Let me give you a a definition. Uh, Fasting means to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a spiritual exercise. Uh, fasting is mentioned 17 times in the scriptures as, notice this, a physical means to a spiritual development. While a food fast is the most common form of fasting and the most recommended, the truth is that you can fast really from anything that the flesh naturally tends to desire, which leads us to our final thought this morning, and that is simply this. 
if we're finding our lives, if we're finding an individual in our life who is struggling with a spiritual stronghold, something that has gripped their mind, something that's gripped their emotions, something that's gripped their soul, and is not letting them loose in the spiritual realm, I'm here to remind you that some of those things, if we're going to see a miracle in that area, come forth, but by prayer and fasting, which leads us to our final thought, and that's this. Not only do we see the potential of faith and the power of prayer, I want you to notice, thirdly, the priority of fasting. According to this passage, there are some things that come only by prayer and by fasting. That's what this passage teaches. That is to say this, there are things that you may not be experiencing because of your lack of prayer and fasting. You see, God, in his love and grace, is pouring out everything that you need for life and for godliness. God is pouring out the miracle that you need. He pours out the grace that you need. He's pouring out the strength. But the reality is, we are often not aligning ourselves with the grace that he is pouring out. And prayer and fasting, what it does is it aligns our lives with what He is doing. It puts us in a position to be able to receive. It puts us in a position to experience. It puts us in a position to be able to enjoy that which God is pouring out in His benevolence and in His kindness and in His goodness and in His grace. God's not withholding anything from you. But there are those of us who are not experiencing that which God provides because we're not aligned with what he's doing. We're not in a position to receive what he is, he is giving. And so we miss out on the miracle. We miss out on what God is doing. Some of us have heard the phrase before, desperate times call for desperate what? Measures. Desperate times call for desperate measures. My friend, Fasting, fasting is a desperate measure for desperate times for those who know themselves to be desperate for God. There are seasons in our lives where things begin to happen. Stuff begins to happen in our marriages. Things begin to happen in our marriage. And it's, it's deeper than just the physical realm. And so we'll run around in the physical realm and we'll try to, maybe if, I, maybe if I change locations or maybe if I can separate from this person or maybe if I can get this person to stay away from that person or maybe if I do that, and we try all these things in the physical realm to fix the situation. It doesn't, doesn't matter what we do. It just seems like nothing fixes it. Oftentimes in those situations, because it is a spiritual issue, it is a spiritual stronghold, we as God's people need to address it in the spiritual realm. Because spiritual strongholds demand spiritual intervention. And prayer and fasting... Fasting specifically causes us to get to a place in our heart and mind where we remove distractions, where we're literally saying nothing matters more than God in this moment. And it, it removes the distractions of this physical realm and allows us to more clearly experience what God is doing on our behalf. 
You see, in these moments, oftentimes there are marriages, and we, we've tried to do everything to, to fix the marriage relationship, everything in the physical realm that we can do. And we do everything we can do, and, and, and it's still not enough. And oftentimes, the reason those issues in our marriage persist is because the issue was not in the physical realm. So anything we do in the physical realm is not going to fix it. It's a spiritual issue. And so we've got to engage it through spiritual intervention and spiritual intercession. And I believe that through this, marriages can literally be restored as we engage these things on a spiritual level. Oftentimes, addictions, the stronghold of addiction is much deeper than just a physio physiological thing. And I know for maybe some who have struggled with addictions, we, or maybe not struggled with addictions, we kind of look at it and think, man, if they just stop doing that thing physically. But oftentimes, a, an addiction has its roots in some spiritual realm. And if we want to see those addictions removed and marriages restored, oftentimes those need to be addressed on a spiritual level through prayer and through fasting that's rooted in deep faith in God. And maybe it's a loved one, and they're wrestling with addiction. And like you've done everything you know to do in the physical realm to find deliverance, oftentimes there comes a point where this kind of miracle only takes place through faith-filled prayer and faith-filled fasting. Maybe you're struggling with a relationship in your life, and you've done everything you know to do to restore unity, uh, to bring that that relationship back together and everything you know to do in the physical realm you've done and, and nothing seems to be working and it might be that what you need most is a spiritual intervention there's a stronghold there that is not being broken and and you need to pierce through that through a breakthrough a breakthrough that will only come as god's grace and power and strength gets poured out upon that a miracle that you need that god says comes forth but by prayer and fasting when the miracle you need most is spiritual in nature, it's affecting the heart, the mind, the soul of your own life or an individual who's close to you, in those moments, what it necessitates is faith-filled prayer and faith-filled uh, fasting in order to break the chains of that addiction, to break the chains of that division, and so we can see a a breakthrough in the midst of a strong hold. Because my friend, desperate spiritual issues must be met with deep spiritual intercession. So here's the takeaway. By God's grace, I want to encourage you to be faithful. By God's grace, allow His grace and Spirit to work through you to be faithful, to faith-filled, to faith-filled prayer and fasting faith-filled prayer and fasting be faithful to faith-filled prayer and fasting you see you can go through the rituals of praying you can go through the rituals of fasting but unless it comes from a place of the spirit a place of faith of deep belief of confidence in the power and ability of god then it's just ritualism it's just legalism it's just going through the motions the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but when that faith stirs up a spirit to pray, when that faith stirs up a spirit to fast, and you respond to what the Spirit's doing, God says there can be powerful, powerful breakthroughs in those moments. 
And I would encourage us as God's people to avail ourselves to the miracles that are possible through faith-filled prayer and fasting. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.